Welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I'm a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for healthcare, retail, consumer goods, and tech industries. I'm so excited to welcome George Pitagorsky, who is globally recognized as a project and process management thought leader, and he integrates mindfulness and process thinking into his work to improve individual and team performance. He's spoken at global conferences for Microsoft and Nokia. He's also the author of the first project management book I purchased at the beginning of my career, The Zen Approach to Project Management. George, I am so excited to welcome you to the Everyday PM. Please take a moment to introduce yourself to those who have not met you. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Uh, as for my, I've been in the uh, project management, process management uh, realm since the uh, early 1970s. And before that, a computer programmer, which is kind of in the same vein. Uh, and I've uh, at the same time been uh, very actively involved in uh, the application of mindful awareness and uh, related teachings and uh, practices Uh and bringing them into the day-to-day. Just as the title of this show says, you can bring project management into day-to-day. On top of that, you can bring mindful awareness and the things that go along with the thinking styles, uh, similar to methodologies in project management, for example. Uh, So that's been my work for the last, uh, you know, 40 years or so. I'm old. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, and my feeling is that we need to bring all of that stuff in to create a balance in our lives and to dynamically balance so that we're like um, surfers or tightrope walkers and, and capable of adapting and having the resilience that we need to face anything that might uh, come up. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and early on when, in my career, when I purchased this book, it, it really struck me. It, it made such a big impact on me personally, because the things that you convey in the book really tie everything together. As you said, all the things that we learn as project managers and how we interact with people. And then ultimately, how do you keep your composure in those really stressful, high pressure meetings when decisions need to be made? And you as the project manager are being looked upon as the person to progress things and move things forward. And what I'll say is that there's always going to be that one either piece of literature or that mentor or somebody who's kind of made an impact on you. And I would say, George, that's why I've, I'm so excited that you're here with us today, because I, I would say that is you and your book for me as I started my career. So, I mean, the reason why it resonated with me is because early on, I think nobody really tells you as a project manager that majority of your job is dealing with personalities and people. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it, it's, it's, it's something that is very hard to teach that uh, emotional intelligence, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's working with different types of people. And it's this idea uh, of this coupled with, you know, we can find our center and our balance in terms of our expectations and our performance, which is what you talk about in the book. So I, amongst my peers, have always been known as the one that's calm under pressure. So when I read your book, I thought, oh, this guy is way ahead. He's so progressive in in this idea of bringing the Zen approach to project management. And, And I was just so happy to have found this book. So George, I want to start with you have 
ton of experience, a plethora of experience, as you've outlined in your in your introductory from project, program, process, product management. How did you become a project manager? Was it something that you fell into or something that you always knew you were going to be? No, no, fell into is more like is, is what happened. I was a uh, computer programmer back in the, the mid-60s, and I had a job that ended up putting me in a position to develop and or maintain software that was used in managing a project. And the project was the uh, Polaris uh, Poseidon uh, program at uh, Sperry Systems Management Division. So I, and I was working with this guy who was like a really expert project manager. And this is way before PMI came, came around sure. and, and all of that. This guy was an expert project manager. And uh, I learned project management. I said, hey, this is better than programming. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, not that I love programming, but uh, stayed in the tech field. But I found that working with people and dealing with the issues issues and the processes that get in the way of all of the technical work being effective uh, was my cup of tea. So yeah, that's how that's I got into it. Yeah. You, you, you fell in like, like so many, right. And, and, yeah. and like you said, ahead of things like PMI, which then started to put forth, you know, the body of knowledge, here's your guidance of how to be a project manager. So I can't even imagine being in that space where, there was not a lot of defined processes industry-wide and you kind yeah. of had to create your own. Was that something, is that kind of where you started to realize you can take the 40 years of studies and practice in yoga and Tai Chi and meditation and kind of meld these two ideas together? Or what was that point for you? It, it actually was a combination of things. It's, you know, at, at that time, there was, you know, it, it, well before the 1960s, there was a, um, a body of knowledge around project management. It's not. It's, it's nothing new. It goes back to the pyramids, basically. <laughs> you know, people <laughs> people were managing projects. Yeah. You know, millennia ago. So I was fortunate enough to uh, to learn from some really super experts in in the field who were working at Sperry at that time and and on this gigantic you know global project that uh, program really. So. I had the training was there, you know, the uh, the knowledge was there and uh, the integration of the people side of it started to come into play for me when I became in, involved in a startup in a software development uh, and design startup, uh, which was primarily a consulting uh, company. And I was one of the founders. And as a founder, the most difficult aspect of the work was dealing with the people. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, you dealing with them in an authoritarian kind of way was impossible. You know, we were talking about the early 1970s and um, when this all got, when that company got started and um, you didn't tell programmers what to do. I mean, you know, these were uh, (laughs) uh, very independent thinkers. So, and, you know, myself included. So we, you know, we accommodated and brought in the the people side of it. And particularly as consultants, it becomes very, and project managers, to my mind, in larger organizations are in effect consultants, whether they're working internally as an employee or as as an an outside 
uh, consultant, they have to cultivate this quality of being able to deal with stakeholders, mm-hmm. clients, uh, colleagues, both in and outside of the project. Uh, the whole group that we refer to as stakeholders have to be dealt with in a very conscious way. Otherwise, all of the good work that you might do in terms of planning and uh, execution mm-hmm. goes to naught. You know, yeah. it, it, it's useless unless you have the people behind you. So that's how you know I got into that aspect of it. And I, you know, I, I think many of us have a uh, a propensity towards one thing or another. So I have a propensity towards dealing with um, interpersonal issues and and that realm, as well as being analytical. But I've worked with many, many people, particularly in the technology field, who are like uh, uh, not particularly good at uh, the social skills. Yeah. Yes. And you said that you said that in a very kind way. I appreciate the way you said it's true, though. And I think it's important that people recognize that our profession as PMs, you know, everybody, it's not for everybody. It's not everybody's cup of tea. And and for that reason, there's just some folks who just prefer to be either individual contributors, or they're just not as socially, you know, uh, I, I don't know, apt to to do this type of job, but you bring up something that's really interesting. You were a programmer, that became a project manager and you were on projects where you had to directly deal with programmers, people that were doing the job that you came from. So was that an interesting experience for you? Did you, did that work in your favor? The fact that you came from programming and then had to be a project manager to these people? Yes. In those days, it was uh, for me very important because not only was I a project manager, but also a uh, a designer and a you know like a person who was I wasn't doing programming at the at that time but I was heavily involved in the technical side of things making sure that the testing was being done properly and all of that uh, work and uh, the respect that you get when people know that you are competent in their realm mm-hmm. is great right so it helps a lot to have that. But over the years, I found that uh, you can't have that uh, that knowledge base any longer. The expertise in the particular technical field, which doesn't have to be tech, could be retail, you know, uh, management or whatever it is, you can't have that degree of um, uh, intense knowledge and experience across this broad span of. Uh, like of all of the things that go on in a large project. So sure. you start to, again, more rely on the interpersonal aspect of it to recognize that uh, it's okay to say, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, tell me. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and then to translate whatever is being told into a language that is understood by the non-expert. Agreed. Um, yeah. And it's not just technology, it's, it's any field of specialization that we have to integrate into our, uh, into our project work. Oh, yeah, I've, I've dealt with the creative side, the marketing side, where I typically say I don't, I will never be an expert in what you do, which is where I think we can really help each other. And uh, you, you have a good 
piece of guidance there that I want to make sure isn't lost, which is it's always important to understand what your team members do. You don't necessarily need to become a programmer and project manager like yourself, George, but if you at least take a step back and observe what your programmers do so that when you do have a conversation with them, there's this level of understanding and also mutual respect that can happen. And so oftentimes as project managers, we come in and we just kind of want to go and not take that time, take that moment to really understand each of our team members who we're working with. And I think that's a really Mm -hmm. important piece of advice from you. Yeah, and what are their difficulties? What are the things that get in their way of doing whatever it is that they do effectively? That's where the project manager comes into play as a um, as a guide and as a protector, you know, uh, keeping the uh, you know the wolves out of the <laughs> out of the uh, the hen house or whatever they <laughs> go. I don't know. I live in New York City. We don't have any wolves. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, yeah, so I think the point is that uh, we need to, to cultivate those skills. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I, I want to also point out to something that, you know, that was implied earlier, that a lot of people who don't have uh, kind of native social skills can learn them. They can become at least more appreciative of their importance. Yeah, yeah, might, absolutely. Yeah. They might never become, you know, like a social worker or a you know, psychotherapist or something like that, but at least they'll have a sense that it's important to make other people happy, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just, you know, put on the blinders and do my programming or whatever you know, sure. is that one is doing. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Agreed. So you have the countless years of experience in project management. I want to kind of go to the other side of it where you have countless years in your practices, like as we mentioned, right? In yoga and meditation, things like that. Where was that point where they intersect? Is that something that just kind of fluidly came together on its own? Well, it kind of fluidly came together in in the early 1970s, like maybe 1972, something like that. Uh, my wife had a uh, thyroid issue and somebody said, well, you should do yoga. This is mm-hmm. 1972. What was yoga? And yeah. we were fortunate in having someone who was giving a yoga class in our neighborhood. And uh, so both of us took these yoga classes, which, and the teacher was uh, kind of an old, not so old at that time, a young hippie who had uh, come out of uh, a yogic training uh, of, of a particular style. And he was like uh, this font of knowledge about the, uh, the nature of this whole unfolding that was for me, uh, that kind of integrated yoga and Buddhism and Tai Chi Chuan and you know, all of the Eastern traditions and some of the Western uh, Gnostic traditions so that yeah. kind of hooked me. I, you know, like this was kind of great. And at the same time, I was in business doing project work. And um, you started to get the idea that, you know, the two things don't fit together. So I dropped out for like a couple of years. Mm. I said, you know, I'm more interested in making my mind work than I am in, you know, like in making some bank, you know, do a better job at, uh, you know, counting money or whatever. So I left for a couple of years 
and uh, took my family, you know, across country a couple of times and uh, attended uh, retreats and trainings in particular at, at that time in uh, uh, Tibetan Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And I was introduced not only to Tibetan Buddhism, but to other styles of meditation. And uh, so that, you know, kind of struck me as being this incredibly wonderful experience. It's like beyond uh, a blessing. And uh, I learned in that time that the two things, the, you know, the, the material realm that we work in as project managers and business people, and the so-called spiritual realm are not separate from one another. Mm -hmm. As soon as we separate them from one another, then we lose the point. The point is bringing the spiritual, bringing the mindfulness, the awareness into day-to-day -day life and living day-to-day -day life in a very practical, reasonable, hopefully compassionate and effective way. Yeah. So, you know, starting a little bit of the idea, one of the ideas behind this Zen of project management or the Zen approach to project management is the idea that uh, in the Zen tradition, there are uh, Zen arts doing something with great precision, recognizing that you're attempting to perfect it, but at the same time, you know that it's perfection is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And you use whatever it is that's going on, you know, the, the old saying of chopping wood and carrying water is what happens after you've kind of realized what, uh, what your mind is all about. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's coming back into the world and being able to integrate mindfulness meditation, the awareness of interdependence amongst all, uh, amongst all of us and all of our environments, recognizing the, uh, the idea of what, what processes this mm -hmm. flow of things that are happening and it never stops. Right. So there's this constancy of movement. And as soon as we try to, you know, to fixate it, as soon as we try to, you know, put it in a box of some sort, we start to become less effective. Mm -hmm. And that hopefully motivates one who is mindful of that to step back and see how can I move with this flow with this process? How can I recognize the nature of, of uh, process from the point of view of if I do something, it's, it's going to have an effect. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be a positive effect or a negative effect? And maybe I can't even tell. So we start to uh, do what a project manager might do in terms of uh, planning. You know, you plan, right. but you recognize that the plan is not going to actually make things happen. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's predictive to some degree, but it's never 100% accurate. And right. You know, it's kind of this, you know, this thing that you put out there and helps you in, to some degree. But uh, now if you recognize what process is all about, there has to be change. So we have change management. Mm -hmm. There's great uncertainty. So what do we have? We have risk management. There are people. And speaking for myself, people are crazy. You know, it's like they are totally <laughs> unpredictable. I have all of these emotions and stuff. It's true. Uh, habits, mental habits, and, and what have you. I'm sure, you know, maybe somebody that's listening is perfect, but uh, probably not. Uh, 
So we have all of that to deal with. And, you know, so that implies now communications management, human resource management, managing vendors and, you know, all of that. So it's, to me, it became very obvious that project management is a Zen art if we treat it that way. And it now becomes a forum for training, for one's own personal training to let go of anything that might get in the way of what I refer to as optimal living. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, 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 that all resonates with me, obviously, and hopefully with our audience as well. And then that's the connectivity that I made. And when I was reading through your book as well, is that this, it's just a no brainer. This, they, they go together. This is the Zen approach is, you know, it, it should be what project managers, how they perceive their work and how they integrate with the process and the flow like you're talking about and it's interesting you bring up the people part because I'm taking this meditation uh you know 10 minutes a day meditation thing Mm -hmm. um it's all a part of the October I think is mental health awareness month and you know with the environment being the way it is and mental health kind of being such a top priority for a lot of us uh that are working from home etc uh, one of the things that I listened to yesterday that I meditated on, which was really interesting, is thinking about what your stakeholder is thinking about, which which the example they gave is somebody mm-hmm. cuts you off on the road. And instead of being like, oh, you know, screw you. Why did you do that? And very angry. Consider what their perspective was. Why did they cut you off? Are they on their way to the hospital? Or is somebody injured? They're trying to get to them. And so kind of reversing that perspective of that frame of mind that you typically Mm -hmm. would have, let's say, if you're a project manager sitting in a very heated debate amongst your team, you know, how can you then take that, what you're talking about, understand the Zen approach of it and, and really kind of insert yourself in that way to sometimes even diffuse situations where there, there's a lot of tension. So you make that connection or, or yes. Or not insert yourself and, you know, simply observe it and realize that it'll, you know, it many times will resolve itself. Uh, you know, so it's, it's that constant playing with uh, no rules. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I bring out in this book is that, uh, you know, we're in, you know, uh, we have no ground. There's yeah. no, you know, there's nothing that, that's going to basically be solid. Everything is in movement. Everything is in process. So keeping that in mind gives us a great deal of flexibility because we realize that, you know, sometimes you insert yourself, sometimes you don't insert yourself, depending mm-hmm. on what is happening in the moment in the process. So it's, it's that kind of mindset. I also want to say that uh, when the title, The Zen Approach to Project Management, was being discussed, this, I wrote this book in 2007, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yep, so 2007. That's, you know, that's a while ago. And at the time, uh, I had some sh- uh, some um, second thoughts about that title. I, you know, like I thought, you know, it's a great title. And, uh, you know, everybody knows about Zen. Uh, but I'm not a Zen practitioner, particularly. I was mm-hmm. trained in, you know, in other styles of meditation. And uh, they all come together. And it's not that I'm ignorant of the Zen approach, but I'm not a, you know, like a, I don't wear the black robes and the Zen thing. So, yeah. uh, so I had that. And then there's this, uh, you know, we put a label on something, you know, so Zen, 
is a label. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a label for something that's extremely profound. But because it's a label, it gets certain sets of con uh, connotations. So someone who, let's say, was into uh, you know, a very serious Christian kind of background might be turned off by this idea of Zen because it's, you know, it, it's Buddhist. Mm -hmm. So I was talked by the publisher talked me into saying, you know, Zen is a good title. And I, I think it is a good title. And at the same time, I always want to bring out, and these days I'm uh, more branding around self-awareness. Sure. Uh, which is got less of a uh, spiritual overtone to it, but it's still the same stuff. So I think we need to be careful when we talk about a, a given approach, that the approach is a, uh, it's a vehicle. And we yeah. want to use our understanding of flexibility and resilience and all of that as a means to make sure that that vehicle is still working for us. And so how right. we start letting go of the, uh, the labels and just really deal with the essence of it, which is experiential. Right. It's yeah. experiential. It's you know, like one knows when they're in a, you know, like a, having a Zen moment or a moment of flow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an experience. You give it a name and already you're out of the experience. Yeah. Agreed. And the name is, is going to uh, not be sufficient to really describe the experience. Yeah. And paradoxically, it's also necessary to have a, give it a name because that kind of brings people into an understanding more mm -hmm. easily. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's an interesting, I've, I find that, uh, you know, talking and teaching about this realm is, is like more fascinating than managing projects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just enjoy listening to you t teaching us about this. I think it's, uh, and, and very, I think that is really important to say is that throughout the book, you know, there may be nods to different types of the practices that you've learned and picked up throughout your career. But at the core of it is just about understanding yourself and being centered and balanced. And I, re I remember, I think part of the book, you talk about if you're ever in a meeting and you feel like you're off balance, just make sure you settle your feet onto the floor and mm -hmm. just kind of feel your mm -hmm. center and your balance. And it's going back to this idea of what you're talking about, which not isn't necessarily uh, grounded in, in Zen and Buddhism, but it's just to your point, self-awareness, understanding who you are and how you feel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and, and all of it, I think, you know, for those who are uh, interested in just perfecting their project management capability, these are skills and concepts that are uh, integral to, to optimal performance. You know, it's, it's not spiritual in, in any regard to the extent that it's leaving the, uh, you know, the, the realm of reality and going into something else. It's, it's applying very skillful means to, uh, to doing whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's taking what you're saying and, and uh, not necessarily taking them as a belief, but to your point, you know, understanding them and making them your own, whatever it is that you, however you want to convey them as you lead your projects. And that's essentially how I read your book and took that away from, yeah, from it as well. It. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I hope that the audience will, if they haven't already read this, will be able to pick up a copy as well and, and be able to understand some of these principles because the, to your earlier point, the point of this community is understanding how project management principles can apply to your everyday life. There's a lot of teachings in here and guidance as well and tips that you, you put out, George, that are very applicable, not only to project management, just but just to your everyday life in a stressful Absolutely. situation. Understand how you're, you can be grounded. You do such a great job of, of having those aha moments throughout the book. And they're kind of like labeled in those gray boxes, but uh -huh. these areas of reflection to think about. And I think that that will be helpful for our community, even if they're project managers or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's part of the intent was to show that the uh, things that you do in project management, the things you do home at home in your family or you know wherever socially you're involved, there's no difference fundamentally between those things. Again, mm -hmm. it's people trying to accomplish something, usually collaboratively. There's the same stuff is going on. Day-to-day uh, -day project management, day-to-day mindful awareness yeah yeah I, it's, go ahead no i was just going to say that uh, in addition to the zen book i i started to write a series which uh, and i wrote a book on conflict management mm. and one on expectations management both with an orientation around project managers and it's the same principles now being applied in a more uh, narrowly focused way so, you know, we know that there are conflicts and projects, you know, we know oh, that no. <laughs> <laughs> every project know. is perfect. Yeah. yeah. And you know, <laughs> I make the point in that book that says that a perfect project should and does include uh, conflict. Because mm -hmm. if you don't have it, it's an indication that people are probably not thinking out of the box in some way. They're not, right. you know, there's no um, synthesis of, of ideas coming through the conflict right so right that becomes a uh, an important element of again applying mindful awareness to the management of disagreements relationships and, and so forth and then expectations management comes into play because we are uh, setting you know we do planning planning sets expectations for other people and perhaps for ourselves Right. And we have to remember that, you know, you can have all the expectations you want, but whether they're going to actually come to fruition is a whole other question. Yeah. How do you manage that? And again, it's the same principles. You know, there's change inevitable. So build that into your expectations and don't be stuck with something that uh, is impossible to uh, to achieve. So mm -hmm. it's that, you know, it, in, and that goes for everything that we do. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Is I, there any any type of uh, particular practice or meditation that you do on your every during your every day that that yeah. you, we can we can use as everyday yeah. project managers that you would want to kind of teach us in this session? Absolutely. The uh, the basic practice that's foundation for my work is a mindfulness uh, practice. It's uh, also known as insight meditation. And its purpose is to cultivate uh, 
the combination of concentration and mindfulness, where mindfulness is looking at looking out with an expansive view, and concentration is focusing in a more narrow way. So we have that combination of things, and this particular technique, which is very simple, uh, cultivates both of those qualities. So how does one do that? It's basically yeah, the pr basic practice. And again, there are many different uh, styles yeah. and, and, and uh, um, variations on the theme. But the basic practice is to simply, and you can do this right now, sure. take an erect and relaxed posture. I have terrible posture, by the way. So, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> just, you know, again, relaxed is more important than, uh, than uh, erect, but erect is also useful. So if mm -hmm. one has a terrible posture, it's likely that they're going to end up with uh, you know, creaks in their neck or their back or you know, not be as uh, energized as possible. Yeah. So anyway, right. so we find this comfortable posture. You know, you could, it, it, it could be anything, but we try to make it comfortably erect. So there's a little bit of dignity associated with this. And then uh, eyes can be closed or open. And it's often easier to start with eyes closed, but it depends on the individual. So eyes closed or open, but not looking at anything if they're open. Just a general gaze, or if your eyes are closed, just feeling the, the darkness, but not getting caught up in any of the uh, the minds works, the, the thoughts. And then bring your awareness to the sensations of your body. Just feel the weight of your body against the chair, the air against your skin. And just note these sensations. And bring into play the sensations of your breath the rising and falling of your chest or abdomen, wherever it's most prevalent for you, just focus on the sensations of the breath. And take note of any thoughts that might come up, any physical sensations, feelings, external sounds, visual images, anything that might come up in or around you, just notice it. And if you find yourself distracted, being pulled into any of those things that are coming up, uh, as soon as you realize that you become distracted, bring your attention back to the breath, back to the sensations of the breath and body. And begin again, just opening, allowing, noticing. And practicing that, for you know any period of time practicing it for you know you've mentioned 10 minutes is a start you know my personal practice is to do a half an hour every day mm -hmm. minimum and we call that formal meditation practice but then there's the integration of that into day-to-day -day life moment-to-moment -moment practice so you mentioned before you're at a meeting and you're starting to become distracted you feel the sensations of your feet and have, you know, on the, on the ground or the sensations of your breath. Mm -hmm. And now you're immediately present 
immediately you're now able to observe the feelings and the thoughts that are arising. It might only last for a second, but you start to become aware and cognizant of the fact that there's a difference between being present and aware and being lost in any number of distractions. That's right. And it's that integration, that moment-to-moment mindfulness that's the most important. Often to do it most effectively, one needs a, uh, a formal practice of some sort. And it doesn't have to be anything more than you know, like a few minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, another practice that I uh, like that I give to uh, the students is the uh, called the three rings practice. The telephone rings. As soon as it rings the first time, you now use that as a signal to take your posture, to feel your body. Feel your breath. Second ring, simply listening. Third ring, pick it up. Or let it go to voicemail, whatever it is that you want to do. So it's now, that's kind of a formal practice. Yeah. But it's something that takes, you know, seconds. And doing it every day, over and over again, starts to build this muscle of being mindfully aware. And the more mindfully aware we are, the more effective we get. Mm -hmm. Then I find it's necessary to remind people that uh, assassins are very mindfully aware, very focused. Yeah. We don't consider them to be the most compassionate and uh, uh, ethical people in the world. Yeah. So we have to add to this practice of mindfulness meditation, some kind of ethical grounding, some kind of an understanding of what our intentions are in this interdependent realm of, you know, whether it's project management or community or what have you, what are our intentions and is our behavior in keeping with those intentions? Yeah. I might have a great intention to, you know, to save the, country or the world from whatever and if i'm trying to get that through violence or through lies or whatever other you know what i would consider unethical means Mm -hmm. then you know where am i Mm -hmm. awareness of that so it's bringing together those components the mindfulness the meditation the wisdom the intention and the understanding of how things are and skillful behavior, those things coming together now provide a platform for optimal living. Incredible. <laughs> this, this has been amazing, George. I just, I think I could obviously talk your ear off and listen to you teach us so, everything that you've learned in your career. I think that that was, that was incredible though. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, um, if anybody is interested, I do coaching, and uh, I have a website. Uh, this uh, it's called selfawareliving.com, self-awareliving.com, and uh, there are videos on there that teach uh, different levels of uh, of mindfulness meditation and uh, 
Uh, you can sign up for a newsletter that uh, it's called the Breakthrough Newsletter that I talk about these kinds of things. And I also do a monthly article for uh, Project Management Times, mm. uh, which again integrates project management with these concepts. Wonderful. Well, yes, I'm looking forward to absorbing all of the content you have out there, obviously. Mm. Um, um, big fan, like I said, and then hopefully the audience has has learned a thing or two about this integration of of being self aware and and understanding where you are as a project manager. So, George, it's been such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the podcast today. You've kind of plugged all of the areas that folks can find you, but please feel free to follow George um, on any type of social media that you might have yeah. as well. LinkedIn, Website, LinkedIn. Okay, fantastic. So yeah, George is on LinkedIn. So please take a moment to follow him and continue the conversation with him as well as as I'm sure I will, because I'm so interested in this area and fascinated in this area. So George, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, For those that want to support the Everyday PM podcast, you can do so by clicking subscribe to your Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, whatever podcasting platform you listen in on the everyday PM podcast is available there. We'll also have the video version of this up so you can actually see George and I have this conversation on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash and campia. And you can follow me on LinkedIn as well. If you want to continue the conversation and join the everyday PM community again. So that will do it for George and I in this installment of the everyday PM podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And until next time, take care. <laughs>